found a pocket, a group of people, a pocket of those who understand what we're talking about, Mark. You, you absolutely nailed it. Welcome to the um, episode. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. As I always do, I'm going to give a little context. And my, one of my kids heard the title of the episode, Brand Inside yeah. Out. And they said, you can talk about the cartoon Inside Out. Said, no, no, no. <laughs> that's a wonderful cartoon, but that's not what we're going to talk about. And Mark, exactly. what an exciting week for you to join. Uh, you and I just discussed an episode that was launched a few days ago with Jennifer Park Tech and how brand is a customer experience plus employee experience. And I got to say, I'm, I have this almost cognitive dissonance when I speak to the innovators in the space like you yeah. and the others we found and the way the energy and how we understand and almost a lot of the things we say, let's do this. This makes absolute sense. Then mm -hmm. I go share with the rest of the world and I'm getting this, whoa, wait a second. What are you talking? Yeah. This is not how things work. Innovators happen to be a small percentage of the total population for any new movement. Mm -hmm. And we are a movement. The podcast went from you know, let's have the conversations and best practices yeah. to now, you know, I think this is an emerging market to consumerize mm -hmm. the employee experience, but really yeah. foundationally to think about a brand from inside and out. And um, you're doing amazing work at, in your organization, Signature Performance, and the impact you're creating on the healthcare industry. We could do a separate episode on that. But what blew me away, Mark, what blew me away is um, even the title, when I first connected with you when I was doing the research, CEO, right? For those listening, of course, that makes sense. You're the chief executive officer, but you're not. Right. Mark, what are you? If not yeah, the CEO, so, executive officer. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and, and, and in my career, I've been fortunate enough to have that title, but, but I'll tell you, I'm the chief experience officer. And, and you, know, you know, when we think about, um, you know, kind of the role of the CEO, I, by the way, I work really close with our founder and CEO. Um, and, and part of the reason why I'm so excited is that this vision was set about 14 years ago, and I'm, I get to be the one to articulate it and bring it to life. Um, but the, the, the experience is really becoming a movement. And Adam, one of the things I think is really important for everyone to understand, what we're really talking about here is the future of work. Um, because things are changing so quick. So I always call it the speed of business. And in, at Signature Performance and the problems we're solving are getting larger, more complex, and the speed of business has accelerated. And so when you talk about inside out and you talk about titles and you talk about everything, I just feel like everything is, is slowly kind of evolving to this understanding that experience matters and how you build an organization from the inside out is going to be paramount to how you're going to attract and retain the best and brightest workforce in the future and meet your client needs. And so I, I think it's going to be an imperative at one point. We're probably going to look back and go, I can't believe people didn't trust us on this. But what I love about your podcast and what you've brought to the table, Adam, is you've found a pocket of like-minded people who believe in humanity and understand that in order to have this authentic, and that's a marketing term, authentic persona, it has to truly be lived values to the core of an organization. And how do you transform that if it's not inside out? Uh, you, uh, 
gave me goosebumps there for a second because uh, this is my life's work. And it started 10 years ago when I was an ink contributing writer and wrote a book, talked mm. about purpose and values. And since then, it's just, uh, it, it's now emerging from a concept and almost a philosophical approach to how yeah. do we actually do this. And what I find really interesting, as you said, experience multiple times, you didn't clarify, you didn't say customer experience or employee experience. You went from experience to the <laughs> human element in, in, yes. in how we're thinking about it. So. I, it took you 14 years, and, and for those listening, you, I don't think it's going to take you 14 years if you sat on in this journey because we get the benefit of hearing to folks like Mark share with how they've done it. But I want to start with something that is, in, in my view, and I just had a heated debate on this last night. Like it got really, <laughs> really heated with a couple of team members, and uh, sure. we talked about you know, what areas should you lead for whomever kind of mm -hmm. is taking the leadership role from an experience perspective. And as I look at your LinkedIn and our conversations, you've brought a number of it. You've unified, right? You've unified the area. So would you mind sharing with the audience as a chief experience officer, what areas roll up in, into your world? Yeah, great, great question, Adam. So here's the interesting thing. Um, in, in my career, I've been a CEO. I've been a CMO and I've been a C, a chief human resource officer, CHRO. So, 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 you know, I've, I've had a, 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 a large kind of runway. So I've, I've been blessed to have a lot of different kinds of experience. The, the team that I'm on, you know, really set out with one thing. It's like, what's the best of Mark Mathias? So I was given a golden ticket and said, define that. And so we kind of translated from, you know, I had each pocket, I mushed a couple together. I got out of that. I started org development because we had rapid growth, speed of business. So all of it said, we finally landed on with some brilliant minds who surround me, by the way, I have partners in this um, that are absolutely the, what I would consider the best in the experience business. Uh, as this umbrella experience. And so right now, experience consists of, of a few things. We just had this talk the other day because I was, I was quizzing the team. I'm like, what's essential, right? And they said, well, well, first of all, internal comm. So you have to think corporate communications, it's essential. Not for what you think, right? Everyone thinks, oh, then you get a send out and as you commoditize talent within your organization, you're just pitching and stuff. No, we actually need to clear the noise because the organization couldn't hear us. Without having corporate communications and the communication element, I never would have been able to deliver a message that, that is believable, that people could rally behind. So corporate communications uh, became a big part of this. Organizational development, which is training, uh, development, how we do that is a cornerstone of what we do because the workforce of tomorrow wants to learn and grow. And I think we're gonna be in a situation where hyperinflation is gonna take over the talent market in terms of what they're talking about. So you better have other things in place for them to be able to advance their career. Um, so, so this organizational development came as part of it. Um, and then talent, right? And at, at Signature Performance, we have changed from a human resource group to a talent organization. I look at everyone I coach and work with as talent. The underpinning belief is that everyone has the answer within them. It's the organization's job to give process and method to pulling it out of the individual so that they can do their best work on what they're working on. So we have talent operations, which would be your typical, you know, human resource, all the data, everything we need to do to stay compliant. Um, and then you have talent acquisition, which we specialized because the attraction phase, call that the marketer in me, uh, I recognize that to get the greatest talent, we've got to, we've got to get this message we've, you know, kind of curated inside out 
to the general public and talent acquisitions and the recruiting uh, team that we have put in place is essential for that. Um, and so you have the overall kind of umbrellas experience, but it has talent acquisition, uh, talent operations, uh, it has organizational development, training and development, um, and then engagement comes up under that. And so that's where we get our, our uh, strength is in the data that comes through, through everything we do internally. We're always measuring it and we're always kind of asking ourselves, how are we doing? Where do we need to go next? Burning down my CPU with brilliance. I was like, I want to make a, a comment there and there. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you started, you said, you know, the, the CEO used to be a CMO and a CHRO. Oh, my goodness. That yeah. right there, the yes. partnership between those two. Because yeah. even in this innovator space that we're creating, there's also two schools of thought. Should the CMO get involved? Yeah. Or should the CHRO expand its capabilities to now mm. include marketing like? In, in yes. fact, I wanted to, I, there was a quote I was playing with yesterday. I was looking at what is the difference between sales and marketing? Yeah. And uh, marketing owns the message, sales owns the relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said internal communications is the beginning point. Because if I ask the same question, but HR, what's the difference between HR and marketing looking internally? Marketing owns the message, HR owns the relationship, right? Fascinating to think about that message being one brand. Yes. One yeah. team that owns it. And you're yeah. bringing those two mindsets. Uh, yeah. So I want to sharply turn the conversation, sharply, from okay. how exciting it is. Yeah, how difficult it is, mm. because I feel like those that are listening in, I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is exciting. This is amazing, Mark. This, but it's, yeah. it wasn't easy for you to get here. So right. would you mind like you've got talent acquisition, talent operations, brand experience, DNI, like mm -hmm. how how'd you get here? What did you have to overcome? What kind of mindset thing shifts that you, you, you were looking to create? So maybe a, a few um, mm -hmm. stories of, of challenges would be helpful. Yeah, Adam, great. Another great question because it, it, it's part of the journey, right? So, so I would just tell you this anytime there's a, a, a transformation or shift uh, in the marketplace, whether it be with talent or taking this idea, hey, we started as, an, as, as let's see what we could do with this, right? So it was an idea, it was an aspiration. This was part of our uh, vision statement early on and to create an experience unlike anything the industry has ever seen. And so stepping into that, right, all of a sudden you become this weird cost center that's kind of touching the whole organization. But the first thing I had to overcome is I had to I had to get the entire team, my executive team, uh, which I serve with in particular, to really believe that this isn't just another cost center. Right. And and if you look at the future of work, I'll tell you this, Adam, it used to be back in the day that our greatest assets was our, our tangible assets. So our companies were valued based on the, the clients we had, the, the buildings we owned, the chairs, the computers, the desks, the technology, the trademarks, all that stuff. I am telling you right now, organizations are valued on the people, period. Now, how do I translate that? That took a lot of work. And there was a lot of disbelief that we had to push through. So I always call that resistance. And it got pretty hard at, at, at some points. I, I remember one time in the organization, it was about one year into it, I had hired my first experienced champion, Amy. And, and she had come on, and this was our first meeting of all our, what we call our president's club. And kind of the, this, this council would gather and we'd talk. And, and I remember um, our, our founder kind of getting up and going, look, we, we've invested quite a bit in this. 
to create an experience, right? So, so we're starting this new development. I need to hear, and every business unit was in there. He goes, is it working or do we need to lay this down? Now, this was like the second day of my new hires, you know, stepping into the company. She happened to be up front because I believe in, you know, hey, get known. And she's kind of giving some data on what we've accomplished. And he said, by show of hands, who wants to continue on? Sometimes business is that way. Sometimes you encounter that resistance. But the beautiful thing about that is I had done the homework because not only do we have those areas that you talked about, we have this other area called I don't know if it's a real thing. I'm making this up. Psych ops, right? What's the psychology of the organization? And from my perspective, it's a coaching perspective. I, I literally, when we, when we began our transformation, did one-on-one coaching with about every associate I could get in front of to help them see their strengths, their unique talents, unique gift. Because I knew at one time, at some point, that question was going to be asked. And I didn't need a, a, a majority. I needed una- I needed everybody on board. And that's exactly what we got at. So that was barrier one, the arm vote, right? It was like, woo. But then I bought in this brilliant, experienced person who came to me and said, okay, now, Mark, uh, that was terrifying. But from now on, I never want you to win on popular opinion alone. From now on, we're winning on data. And so then we invested in systems and technology and created an infrastructure of data capture that for our organization, the, this experience side, which would include all those that you said, we put out quarterly report cards to our executive team that stress where we're at, what we've done, the impact we've had, and the ROI that we're driving to the bottom line. And then we verify that and kind of tie them together with how are we performing with our clients and our clients continually give us report cards. And, you know, they're very good about giving us we're a federal contractor as well as in the private sector. And so we get CPARs and all kinds of feedback. So we just make sure that what I'm selling, what I'm saying internally is matching what the experience is externally. And as long as those things line up, what happens is another click of the flywheel. And the momentum starts going, but it was really hard. And, and we got to a couple points where, you know, we didn't know if we're going to go. It looks like a big old expense. Um, and then I finally was able to show them through the data that every nickel they invest in experience comes back to the organization, organization dressed up like a quarter. Real quick, Amy's background. Yeah, that was, that was she was your first hire into the investment to make an, an experience, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and she is actually my partner. She's our, our vice president uh, of, of experience. And um, yeah, so her background was marketing and communication. I think she had a British literature degree. Um, but the interesting thing, she was in a large Fortune 500 organization that was going through some transformation and they kind of had her off in a corner. And they, they said, we don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people were leaving. She was, you know, part of the internal corporate communication team, worked from the president on down. Well, you know, obviously that got a little rough and, and, and they just paid her to research. And so I think she had about six months worth of research that was just brilliant. When we first met, I outlined my vision of people. She combined it with experience, walked me through um, the employee life cycle as she see it. So if you think of a brand life cycle uh, for a product, we walk through an employee life cycle all the way from attraction 
join, grow, belong, advance within the firm, what that means, and then how do we measure it? And then how do we build upon it? So that's where the spark was. And so, you know, now we've had multiple years of working together and been able to bring this thing to life and kind of, um, you know, adding on things like that became really, you know, the, the heartbeat of this organization, like our diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging and 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 how do we functionalize it? And I think that's the brilliant thing, Adam, because so many people like this conceptually, but you have to you have to have a sound mind of business integration. It can't just be words. It has to be seen, heard and felt. And to get that, it, it, it's one on one. It's roll up your sleeves. It's functional. And then everyone has our individual role and then our collective role of leaning in and helping the organization kind of aspire for. So it's that integration of what we're saying and theorizing into actually producing and showing. And so that people feel me at the end of the day and say, yeah, you know, we're a better company with this team in place. Totally makes sense. And, and what I'd like to do is, but before we go there, I'd like to double click on drawing the, you know, ROI connection, because it's not yeah. easy, but yeah. marketers know how to do it. But before we do, I yeah. just want to bring you into my heated debate again from last night. And you've <laughs> had those internally. And I'm going to yeah. simplify the debate in the following way. Is it possible to, you said the words match, external to internal, mm -hmm. right? Is yeah. it possible to match without unification of the, mm -hmm. I don't want to say the word ownership, but maybe the, at least the ownership of the message in that experience between external and internal, because you, one person can't own everything. They can't be in charge of operations and, and fi like that, that's not practical, but right. at least from a messaging perspective. So mm -hmm. is it possible in your view, uh, yeah, that's that's the heat of debate. I'm even reliving the debate right now. As yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, it's a debate in our corridor as well. Um, I, Adam, I'm optimistic. I think it is. Um, you know, you, you have to draw correlations in the data. Um, and and I will tell you that when we talk, right, I built this inside out. So so my data is strongest in how the transformation internally is going. And I rely a lot on matching it to the data on that the external side. So you've had other people on who've talked about some of the key metrics and we utilize those as well. So we're looking at attraction. We're looking at retention. You know, how are we doing? What does that mean? I look at referral rates. So when you think of associate, we call our employees associates. Uh, when you think of that, we do, we measure ANPS as a component of the overall engagement score. We do one external, three internal. Um, and then I take that data and then we plug it to outcomes. And so just like a marketer would do with a, a, a campaign, uh, we had a Love Your Monday campaign. We, you know, we looked at the impressions. We looked at the output. We looked at how many how much talent was entering our pipeline and wanting to join our team. And then we took validation from X outside of the organization so that we could say, okay, we don't have any kind of confirmation bias going on here. You know, the, the, this is what we're getting. This is what we're seeing. And to be honest, Adam, when I, when I talk with peers in industry, even with folks that are at much larger organizations, I, I was just at Qualtrics X4 conference. Um, you know, I'm really proud of what we've built here. I've been given a green light to build something unique and we've been able to do it, but it did take, aligning that together because it's hard enough to get business development or sales with marketing to shake hands. So, so when you start to kind of unify the whole thing, you've got to have a whole lot of belief coming on within the organization that what is happening is felt. And that belief can only happen if you have extremely high engagement and that driving engagement consistently, especially post pandemic, when everything has shifted, 
is a critical component to make sure that this thing goes forward. Smiling. This is very therapeutic for me. The, 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 what you're saying because we're not alone right they're not right. many many but we know any new market is started by the innovators two and a half percent or so of the entire population and yeah. um, so i want to go back to the roi and i understand that there's a lot of you know uh, a privacy by your success you know you yeah. can't certain things you can't divulge certain things you can't you work with the government you work in the healthcare industry yeah. Yeah. so my ask of you right to the degree that you're allowed Mm -hmm. Would you mind bolstering a little, just a little, just enough? Because the pe folks that are listening in, I want to connect the dots for them in a very clear way. Because you, in some ways, you're thinking like a marketer, impressions internally. You're thinking yeah. about it in funnels. You're, and then this leads to X. What has it led to, Mark, to the degree that you can share publicly? Yeah. So, so when we began the transformation, well, like when I joined Signature Performance, now, now keep in mind that the seeds of what I'm talking about here have been have been built in since conception as an idea, as a hope, as an aspiration. Um, but being able to 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 bring it together and really try, we we've had we've had you know rapid growth. I, I would say this, Adam, that that we've grown from a federal standpoint from a small business uh, to uh, we did a little pit stop at a medium business. Um, and then we are now in the large business category. So when you think about the multiple, you know, multipliers of revenue that has to happen to functionally move through that, um, you know, that that in and of itself is a story uh, from from the, the talent development and, and size and scope. An organization that started with, you know, four entrepreneurial thinkers, um, you know, now, you know, we have about 1700 overall that support our organization, which if you're at a really huge company, I know you're saying, well, you're still small to me. No, it, it's, you know, when you come from four, I'm telling you, that's quite a journey. You have to have stuff wired pretty tight to make it. And so, so, so we've seen that kind of growth. And, and I would say even, even through pandemic, when things were winding down, pivoting 80% of our workforce in less than three days to securely meet the needs of our clients without missing one beat in our metrics was, was just one testimony to what we're doing. We also have an expanding market. So we're, we're generating and, you know, new opportunities, bigger problems to solve in healthcare. And we really have a inflow of talent who wants to join this team and not just talent, diverse, the best talent from around uh, the country now uh, is kind of lining up at our door to say, hey, I, I want to be part of this. It, it's a little bit different. And so so those are a few things that I would say we have a associate net promoter score. I'll share with you that that's typically above 50 um, all the time. A high we were about oh, close to 80, um, you know, uh, at one point. And so so we measure that, you know, my personal metric and, and what I hold the team to is we won't see a variation, you know, that that that's uh, more than 10 points, you know, I, too much you know, too high, you know, I'm asking myself, well, that's great. I'm glad people are bought in, but then I have to stabilize it and say, how do I keep them satisfied for the future? And I don't want them working the system, working the ANPS system. Um, if it's too low, then I'm, I'm saying, hey, we have an issue. Same thing with, you know, things like our um, retention statistics. By the way, signature performance, we've evolved from uh, processing medical claims that the talent and technology behind that to actually supporting via a contact center. And, and so when you get in the call center world, um, that's an entire different string of metrics and an entire different job um, because having that phone and we deal with complicated issues in veterans' lives. 
And we love veterans. We just absolutely do. I serve, we, we serve the community. So how do we do that and maintain a high NPS? It, it, it's rare. I don't know if I've seen it, certainly not in, in, in my local community, um, but that's an NPS we're maintaining, even though we've expanded into, you know, typically kind of a world that so you know, I just don't want to be in a call center type environment. And we're solving some really complex healthcare issues for important people face to face. And so, so it's, it's, it's really been kind of uh, um, a, a great way to illustrate the kind of impact that we're having. Uh, both uh, for for veterans across the nation uh, and then healthcare providers who who really need a break. You know, they, they, they do. They, this administrative stuff is out of control. It's too expensive. We've got to lower that and they need a respite from it so that they can treat patients. Amazing. And, and anyone listening in, I, I, I think based on what you just shared, there, the proof is there. It works. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so where I want to go next, and, and again, Mark, you can choose to either talk about your current resources or sure. what you think is an ideal state. So mm-hmm. someone listening in says, okay, well, if we're going to build an employee experience team, right, team, yeah. and you already mentioned it's important to be data-driven, right? Mm-hmm. There's infrastructure, there's results, there's impact, there's single mm-hmm. source of truth on the data. You said the words, not winning unpopular opinion, Right, mm-hmm. not popular. Yep. Amy, I think, was like, "Oh no, yeah, no, 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 we can't did. do this again." Um, so, Mark, how, like, what would someone do again, either from the perspective of the CMO, mm-hmm. who's been given the green light to say build the capabilities for the internal experience to match, yep. or a CHRO who's mm-hmm. been given the green light to say, "Okay." build it what would it take what do we who do we need to hire do we bring in agencies do we do we do tra- like how how do they approach it? yeah great okay so so um everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different in the complexity being a federal contractor you know that the chr role is a more complex role there because we have a lot of regulations that we have to follow so you can get caught up in the regulation so it really takes a real focused effort and belief we we started and i'll just give you my experience of what we did that's where internal com came in and at that point there wasn't a lot of internal com tools so we couldn't treat it like uh, we would a brand campaign, right? So how do you monetize? How, how do you not commoditize that in your language, right? How do you how do you all of a sudden do that? Well, we had to seek and find, and we finally found internal communication platforms. At that point, we were wrestling with brand because I had handed that off and it wasn't consolidated at that point. Saying we we can't use serve, you know, we can't use these old tools. We need to 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 use this new tool. Why? Because it's designed for internal com. I'll get the data I need. And I need to close the airwaves that the other thing. And when I say close the airwaves, not restrict communication, but only send important communication because the messaging was flat. So we started with internal comm because nobody was hearing anybody because everybody was talking over everybody. So when we started to consolidate, the very first thing we did is we took our efforts, focused on that and fixed it. How do we quiet things down? push out what needs to be pushed and have a single source of truth for our internal communications that would lead then to the branching into the external brand. Um, so once we felt like we really had a handle on that and people were actually reading their emails again and not mad at everybody all the time for the amount and volume of emails that were coming in, um, that's when that's when development came in. 
And so you have to have this really tight partnership with that. Now, there's another debate, and Adam, you've probably stayed up late talking about this. Does, does this associate development, does this soft skills training, is this coaching, is this really important in organizations? And, and I would tell you this, it is vital. In order for this to be successful, you have got to raise the EQ or the uh, whatever you want to call it within the company so that human connection can happen. Because belief is always broken if there's a missing link. And so we're always looking at ways that we can reinforce those skills. And by the way, can you measure them? Well, we measure them in the output. How's our client experiencing them? Uh, we measure them through programs that we've committed. This is a, a statistic we just found the other day. I found it fascinating. People, our associates, our talent who's engaging in our educational curriculum, and we have all kinds, right? Right now, I'm on a big well being kick. So we have a 40 day immersive well being program for our associates called the Aloha Method of Well Being. And, and it's daily for 40 days. People who are getting involved with our program are staying a year or more. We have less than a percentage of those people engaged in the learning that are leaving. Now, think about that for a second. So how important is it? Very important. So we started out with CorpCom, then we went to development, um, and then is when we actually started broadening this out. And the work we're doing now that we're going through this transformation as we speak is from human resources to talent operations. And that is a transformation that everyone in my human resource team had their hands up saying, we want to be known as something different. I don't want to be the compliance person. I want to have human to human relationships. And so we're, we're now navigating and transforming that. But if you can measure where you're at, whatever you're building on, focus on it sharp enough just to get that right, you'll start to, to kind of, I always use that flywheel analogy, make a click away at the flywheel. And then, and then like John Maxwell always says that, that, that momentum solves 85% of your problems. Get momentum in one part, Get really good at it. Be the best that people have ever seen. Let that momentum carry you. And then you just start the transformation from the inside out, one thing at a time. I don't know if it needs to be internal calm, Adam, to be honest with you. If that's just where, where Amy's specialty was. That's where my inclination was as a people person. Um, and that's where we started. Um, but I thought it was brilliant because we had noisy airwaves and no one was listening anyway. So at that point... I wasn't going to get any messaging across effectively until we had that a little bit better managed. Adam, I lost uh, volume on you here. Oh, I'm back. I think, okay, I think there you I, go. I have a little thing that clicks to to capture the moment a marker and i click ah. instead of the marker the the mute button oh gotcha the, okay a okay. couple, couple things that stood out for me there the first one was you said those who were more engaged with wellness yeah right they improved you said retention right yeah yeah and that was just part of a training program right so it's a well-being training program but 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 that's why it was so key it's like you have to create things that people want to participate in and so when you talk about commoditizing the people experience it's like give them what they want it didn't take me it didn't it wasn't a rock i wasn't a genius to figure out coming out of a pandemic into a cycle of burnout we better start addressing things like well-being in a in a tangible real way um so that so that we could advance now i had no idea that our training was having that kind of impact on our retention 
but I do now because the data led us there. So we did what was right and then we follow up with the data um, and we're always measuring, you know, are we doing good? Are people liking what we're doing? Is it having an impact? But, but that is one tangible way that that soft scale stuff is no longer soft. And again, I will tell you that the valuation of a company at the end of the day is based on its people. It's not their buildings anymore. No one gives anything about buildings. Totally, totally. Um, let, let's go back to your, your statement about internal comms and maybe let, yeah. let's pontificate there together. Okay. I think in some ways, I'm going to make an argument and join you and just okay. say that this is a anchor. This is the, the, the linchpin because mm-hmm. when we think about, forget the word internal communications, let's just sure. focus on the simple manifestation of it, which is a message. Yes. Who, who owns the way the message shows up? Mm-hmm. Because if we, whatever else we do, that message is the way you will start to experience the brand. If you look right. externally, who sees the message, whether that message is in Super Bowl mm-hmm. commercial, on your Instagram, yes. whether that's, uh, that's received in the mail, well, mail, not as much as <laughs> it is, maybe catalogs. Right. So if it is indeed the message, which I think this is where we begin, internal, yeah. me- we just pause there and we say, who owns the message? Right. Mm -hmm. Then I think we start asking questions and maybe here I'm moving into future state. But when you respond, you can take me back if you weren't with me on the message. But we start to ask if it is the message. Well, when is it sent? Where is it sent? Is it email? Is it where work gets done? Perhaps we're Mm -hmm. looking at Microsoft Teams or Slack. Is there social interaction like social media? Do we now motivate through that message? Is it shorter? Is there a visual? Is there a video? Oh, if it's a video, no more than a minute because who's got the attention span to go beyond a minute? Are these the kind of things that you would agree we would be looking at as we think about the, the future of work? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you sounded like an internal marketing agency, right? So so it's like, like, how are we going to connect with the people in a relevant way that sells? But what we're selling is belief in an organization, ultimately the mission, because people want to work for something that matters, period. You're not going to have talent if you don't have a great mission. So so then all of a sudden we're being that. And yes, that's exactly where we had to go with the internal comment. And by the way, all those channels you know, we had all those and, and everyone, I mean, I don't care who it is. The core of every company problem will come down to communication of some sort. And the problem is when it comes to corporate comm, who actually owns it? I would, would, would make a point that experience should own it because that communication has to be authentic through every channel. And we shut down more channels than we opened up. And that caused frustration at the beginning because people were like, I like this. I like this. And there are certain channels out there that drove me crazy. And so when we unified the channels and then we then we, 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 you know, got the right software so that we could kind of kind of broadcast it in a way that's brand savvy, that that gets people to hear that, that, you know, you know, we made a huge difference. The, the other thing that I will tell you is everything changed overnight the day on April 20th or whatever that was. When we sent everybody home. And, um, you know, the pandemic, when we did that, we were all in facility. We had five facilities. Uh, we loved being around the water cooler together. We did events together, big old things. That all changed. And so we had to make a decision at that point. And Adam, we doubled down, tripled down on communications. Internal comm became the lifeline. I sent out two times a week an update on where we're at in the pandemic, how safe our facilities are, what we're doing, how we're thinking about you, um, just so that I could lower, you know, I wanted that psychological safety level higher and I could lower fear. 
Okay. And so that helped us keep momentum, even though everybody's life just transformed and they went from working in an office to working in their living room. And it was it almost overnight. I had our facility and maintenance team driving systems to people's houses, dropping them off at the door, you know, everything that we could do so that we wouldn't disrupt business. But we had to double down on that communication. So you, you probably have a good point. Um, I don't know that we were that smart. Amy might have been that smart. I don't know that I was. I just thought it was smart because it was too noisy and I couldn't get my messaging across. And my leaders and my managers, um, which, by the way, we have a group called the SPMG. They all that all that whole group answers up through me in terms of my influence on them. So I'm constantly biweekly newsletters. What do they need to help engagement? What do they need to hear about the company? We have live meetings, annual meetings, summits for that group, because I think they're the ones that influence the most people, both internally and externally. So that's another thing. But it comes back to communication. And in that communication, you know, and, and maybe if Jennifer at Park Tech is listening or Bennett Vision mm -hmm. Solar, you yeah. know, they, they've created internal publications. Yes. And uh, I know even with Vision Solar, they have a, you know, they have a video studio where they're producing mm -hmm. content internally, because yeah. at some point we start to think about if this is the kind of experiences we have as customers ex with brands, yes. we expect the same experience internally. Why, why not? Why don't yeah. we want to be entertained in Brilliant. both places? Yeah. Uh, but, so, Mark. Let's go in, into a future with me. Okay. Let's say we, as the innovators, will manifest this emerging. Well, you already have at, in your organization, but let's assume it catches fire. And we okay. go from 2.5% to we start to get into early adapters and it moves on. And with it, it's going to bring forward all kinds of investment into technologies and, and best practices and standards. So when we go back to the email that you were sending out, you were thinking about sending out a communication, not email, because I, yeah. I, I think email is going to start to fade out. I think yeah. we need to meet them where they are. As marketers would say, let's just focus on the channel. Yes. But also, when you click that send button, are we going to get in a world of like serious segmentation? Are we not going to look at you know like your audience internally the way you look at external audiences and you will have access to all of the data that's available and you go okay well if i'm going to talk about our mission and send an update is it the same update based on the role location performance level don't know maybe maybe the wording is a little different on a manager versus mm -hmm. a new manager versus a manager in the same role for how far down would we go in the future state to think about segmentation to in the pursuit of relevance mm -hmm. in the pursuit yeah. of personalization yeah, well, it, you nailed it, and we're 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 already thinking that way, right? How do we segment our so so intern our internal software already allows us to segment, and and so we are delivering different messages to different groups depending. Now, signature performance used to be you know highly uh, Nebraska organization. We were all pretty close to each other. Uh, now we're across the country. So now what's happening is I have pockets of associates because word of mouth in different places, North Carolina, people in North Carolina love to work at Signature Performance. I love to have them here. So now I'm communicating to them and we're doing our, you know, specific kind of reach to kind of talk about, well, what do we know about North Carolina? What's it like to live there? Who are they? What's the team? Where can they get the cup of coffee together? So, so we're seeing these pockets form and that segmentation is even more important. And I would take it a step further. So when you talk about experience management, you know, we've always talked about kind of experience management in terms of our response to what's being said. I think, Adam, the next thing we're going to start listening in real time 
I think we're seeing AI begin to populate that space and these channels that we've created, we're going to be always on not to be spies. And by the way, I have mixed feelings. I mean, this is pushing me just to be honest, but, but if I know that there's a, a problem or a tension or something internally, I can respond to it before it becomes a problem. And so it has a lot of relevancy. How do I have a real life dashboard that's capturing through analytics um, what the sentiment is, the feeling, the mood of the organization, then I, as the, um, you know, organizational coach can rally the troops around the right areas before it becomes a problem, not after it becomes a problem. So, you know, right now we survey, I, I don't know if the answer is more surveys, but we're quarterly, one external, four quarterly. And then based on what I find, I, we just we just did an external survey and I did one more pulse for internal benefit survey so I could collect the data. Our people love to talk, they love to be heard, they love to see their ideas innovated. We take those ideas through what's called our, our diversity circle because I wanna make sure if we make changes, it's infecting everybody the same. So we have all these outlets, but, but I think we're gonna be really proactive in how we hear. And what's gonna really be different is we're gonna use segmentation along with some form of AI to help us read sentiment and take that sentiment and put it into action. And so then we won't you know, have any of the, the kind of dips in the road because we're, we're gonna really know what the sentiment is. Um, so I, I think that has to, has to be part of the future. No, you didn't. You didn't just open the AI door conversation. Oh, you, you did. I'm, I was holding. I was holding from it coming into oh. our discussion. But 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 I'll be, I'll try to be brief to to react because you're so right. You're so spot on. I've been thinking about how to simplify where it fits. Like just just because mm -hmm. so so much complexity. Mm -hmm. Check check this out, Mark. Tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. I've I've had two dots in my mind. There's a dot one data. Mm -hmm segmentation personally relevant all of the experience is sits inside data right yeah. when we think about it organizations all the way on the other side i've been thinking about replacing the word message with a nudge now obviously biased alert yes like i've been in a nudge world for for, for years now mm -hmm. but also as i'm, I'm a co-founder of an agency mably i'm a co-founder of a technology company but ultimately we experience the world of nudges today yes for the most part Yes. Now, if we agree those two dots, mm -hmm. the dot in between, I believe, is AI. Now, there's a lot involved in between. Mm -hmm. And I am just as scared as you. I, I, I use my word. I am scared right. yes. for what this means to us. I am uncomfortable with a lot of it. I've been playing with Chet JPT and, and oh, my goodness, I'm going to have episodes where I'm going to play with it live and share with mm -hmm. the audience. Mm -hmm. But do we think data, AI, nudge for the best experience to impact our business objectives? Is, the, is this kind of the highest level, anything you would change there? I, no, I think, I think you're right. I love the term nudge. That makes sense to me because it's not, what, what I love about nudge, it takes the fear out of it because the fear is manipulate, but we're not trying to do that, but we are trying to nudge. And if an organization can listen enough to give positive nudges in the right direction. Just think about that from a coaching perspective on a sports field. Think about that from a coaching perspective there. It's just perfect. It's it's a flow and, and that will allow people to show up and be in that zone or in that flow more often because we're constantly uh, offering that. So it's exciting, yeah, and, 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 and scary, but I love the term nudge. I think you're onto something there and that's exactly where it should lead. You know, Qualtrics has already began to advance their analytics 
and the listening capabilities through that. And, and that's just the tool I'm familiar with. And so we use, and so, so it's, you know, it, it's there, right? So we can do that. How we use that is going to be really important. And, you know, and, and, you know, when it comes to AI, I, I, let me just give you an example, a production example. Okay. So, so, you know, we are, we are fortunate to partner with uh, the veterans administration. We do, we do a lot of federal work and, and so sometimes, you know, when we're interacting with um, different people, veterans, there's different things that come up. What if there's a AI technology that can help us to determine sentiment in a phone call that can help us capture when someone might be experiencing PTSD in the moment and be able then to rally the proper people, which aren't us, but the proper people, um, you know, to to help and, and to do the right thing. So I, I think I think that's an external thing that has me excited about how do we help humanity internally? We could do the same thing. How do I know when someone's about ready or experiencing burnout? Well, if I have the right sentiments getting delivered to me, I won't ever know for sure. I don't trust it that much, but I do trust that if I'm listening and if I'm nudging in your words, I think I can have a positive impact in that associate's life, probably improve retention and performance over the long run. Oh my goodness. And, and I saw recently what's possible with Microsoft uh, graphs mm -hmm. as their technology is improving and the ability um, to be able to you know, see, for example, if someone is working from home, right? Yeah. And um, all of a sudden their activity on, on Microsoft Teams stopped mm -hmm. or dropped 90%. What does that mean that someone is isolated? And right. then if you understand from a coaching perspective where they are or where mm -hmm. they are in terms of their projects, if projects yeah. stopped or something yeah. is going on, you can identify and support mm -hmm. someone. Again, all of these things could be used yeah. in an entirely wrong direction. So it's subject to mm -hmm. organizations creating the right regulation, governance, right. intent, uh, yeah. confidentiality. And there's a lot Microsoft has done too to, in order to ensure that you can't yeah. see certain data because it is we're in, we don't want to infringe on privacy but exactly. these signals will be used to create a positive change mm -hmm. and um so so mark we're, we're, and i could go on with you for hours i feel like like i, I just want to learn from you learn from all aspects but what as we start to kind of you know talk about next steps you, you mentioned in our conversation it started for you with belief right mm -hmm. getting the executive team to believe in this and that opened the door I yeah. would imagine you are fortunate, which is why you're an innovator and you're seeing the success you're seeing that executive team believe in this vision. Mm -hmm. Most listeners, most audience members who are innovators inside organizations are probably not going to be as fortunate as you. So what advice could we give them in order for them to go after the experience budgets? Because ultimately it's about the budget. Yeah, we got to get the budget to bring in whether it's full time, whether it's external support, whether it's technologies, it's the budget. How do they what is a step one look like in order for them to begin their journey? And, and let's assume belief is off the table yeah. unless you think that's the only way to begin. Yeah, no, I, I would say this, that that all business is in the business of experience all business. And that is what has to be manifest. And so we start our journey by truly understanding what is XM, what is experience. And if we can, if we can, if we can center and really grasp the power of experience and what it is, then it's easy to bring it to life. 
And and once you you start that conversation and start to look, we're doing it in talent all the time, right? I mean, if you look at how uh, HR has evolved and de-evolved, right? Um, we're, we're taking parts of it and we're bolting it on because we want to add human element to this compliance related world and touch. So we've already started it. All we're doing is adding another avenue into it. And the fact is, everybody is in the experience business. So if we could anchor our knowledge and really understand it to where we can talk to it, where we understand the data. One of the things I like to do, Adam, I drive around, I have a little car and my license plates say BU. And, and my partner came in one day and said, I, I really like that. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. So you, Mark. But I think you need a caveat. It's like, be you and know your stuff. And, and that's it. When you know your stuff, all your marketing information, everything that we can glean externally, we can bring internally. I just, you know, we just started internally. We, we you know, we did. I'm late to the game externally because we built it internally. And now as we're, 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 we're seeing through different avenues, other organizations joining with us, man, I'm, I'm slow because I'm saying, no, before you're going to jump on our brand, you got to understand us. You got to start living it and feeling it. And, and I think that's an important component. So I, I would just say really study what experience is, um, uh, understand the management and the science behind it, um, and then just start the conversations because it's easy to, to take root once there is a real clear understanding of what it is. And you said the word XM or, or abbreviation. You're talking about experience yeah. management? Yes. Experience management, XM, yep. I think it's it's fascinating. It hasn't come up yet. I, I'm almost, as you're speaking, I'm almost like, how do we create a course around Mark and what he's done? <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's not just Mark. It's not just Mark. You have an entire team. You mm -hmm. mentioned this multiple times, the brilliance yes. that you've unified. Yes. So it's not a Mark course, but really you were the visionary behind this and uh, you were fortunate to both get the buy-in and find the people that saw what you saw and then executed on that vision well to bring forth yeah. the results and now it's like how do we codify it how do we operationalize where you are and, and your journey is not done right, right. this is right. this is this is a frontier that we keep pushing yeah. what is next what is, external is not done. nothing is ever done right. You just exactly. happen to be further than the 99.99% of the organizations. Um, I got to stop myself. Otherwise, I'll keep going. <laughs> Listen, Mark, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, just and, and on behalf of the audience, just a huge thank you for, for taking the time. You and I have had multiple conversations, exchanged emails. I know you're busy. There's a lot going on. So uh, unless you're holding some final thoughts, I just wanted to say a huge thank you. Yeah, well, right back at you, Adam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for bringing this to light. I love the conversation, and I think it's an important one. So keep it up, and I appreciate you letting me be a part of it. Oh, I intend to rev up. I'm, I'm just going to. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up from here. As we, you and I talked before we started, the association potentially or other ideas. How do we bring the innovators together? Because uh, I, I think we could do a lot of good. Mark, thank you again, and uh, over now. Yep, thank you.